to 20. Evans hangs a wobbler. Wallace settles under it to 25. Gets a block. Comes to the near side. 30. Spins out of one tackle. 35. Along the near sideline. 40. He's at midfield. Wallace to the 40. Still on his feet. 30. 20. 10. Celebration time. No flags. Wallace in the end zone. Hayes in the barn. And the Ravens win it in overtime. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into another episode of the Charm City Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Hollihan, back here on this Monday morning discussing the Baltimore Ravens defeating the Los Angeles Rams in overtime by a final score of 37-31. to What an exciting game that was, ladies and gentlemen. A real uh, barn burner right down to the end, um, and a game that looked and had every bit of a Ravens close defeat written all over it, a defeat that fans have been so used to um, over the last 10 years. I feel like typically, you know, more often than not, when the Ravens have been losing games um, in the post-Ray Lewis, Ed Reed era, and, you know, the post Super Bowl era, I guess would be the better way to describe it, from 2012, um, it's been by close losses. And it's been by games where you look at one player, two, on the defensive side of the football, and you say, man, we wish we had that one back. And yesterday, you could have said that multiple times towards the end, but the Ravens ultimately found a way to win courtesy of punt returner Tylen Wallace, who got an opportunity and ran with it yesterday, literally due to Devin Duvernay not being available. Um, Tremendous job by him. A really um, great team win. And, you know, I feel like for the Ravens, and I want to be very careful about how I put this, this team right now, it's it's really the first time in a long time I feel like the Ravens have been able to have wins like this. And wins where, you know, things don't go their way throughout the entirety of the game, but somehow, some way, they find a way to win said game. And they did just that yesterday. And you look at it, I mean, the Rams... Being able to move the ball on the Ravens as they did, 410 total yards. Um, They took the Ravens apart, uh, controlling the ball, 34 minutes, 35 seconds of the ball game, including overtime there. Just absolutely, um, you know, credit to the Rams. They were able to find weaknesses in the Ravens defense and they... Um, dismantled them accordingly. Uh, Matthew Stafford and the and the run game were pretty well balanced. 282 passing yards. He completed 23 of 41. Uh, 128 rushing yards on 30 carries. I mean, the Rams put together a whale of a game. Their defense has been what has costed them throughout the entire season, and especially since last year in their post Super Bowl. Uh, team and 
you know, with the rain and everything being a factor, it could have been so easy for this Ravens team to just kind of bail. But they didn't do that. They hung tough. They hung around. Um, you know, they erased deficits. They took the lead on a tremendous third and long by Lamar Jackson. And the play before, I did not understand how Lamar was not ruled down, why that wasn't looked at, why they reviewed it for a possible fumble. Um, And he connects with Zay Flowers, big play, big touchdown. Then he gets the two-point conversion, and the defense just falls apart at the end. Um, Marlon Humphrey. I mean, this guy's an all-pro cornerback. He's the lone corner that you expect in that moment to come up with a play, and he slips and falls down. Then he gives up a big play to Cooper Cup. Then he has an opportunity to get a big interception, and he whiffs on it. And luckily for Marlon Humphrey, Tylen Wallace was there to bail him out. And then the touchdown pass that was, for whatever reason, reviewed by John Harbaugh, it made no sense. Um, play shouldn't even have been reviewed in general, but it was um, by NFL rules. But to even throw the challenge flag was just stupid when there was no need to. However, looking at the Ravens, um, you know, defense as a whole and judging them based off of how they went about uh defending the Rams there down the stretch. They couldn't get a pass rush on Stafford. When they tried to, it was too late, and the ball was coming out so fast. Um, And it just seemed like there was no answer for what they were doing uh, moving the ball down the field. The Ravens' offense, though, continued to have an answer against the Rams. Lamar, 24-43, 316 passing yards, three touchdowns, one pick. He was really good down the stretch. The Rams were sitting back in pass coverage, and Lamar just took what the defense gave him, which is smart football. And I think that's a credit to Todd Monken. That's a credit to T. Martin, his quarterback's coach, making sure Lamar knew what to do at the right time. Took what the defense gave him. He played a great game. He had 70 rushing yards to boot. Great job by him. Um, they really didn't utilize the run game. Keaton Mitchell, 54 rushing yards. Gus Edwards, just 15. In total for the team, they had 139, but that's because of Lamar Jackson's legs. Um, Odell Beckham Jr. had a big game. Uh, I thought really all the receivers did a tremendous job. Isaiah Likely did a great job, and he, we knew, um, could be relied upon. We just didn't know how much in the absence of Mark Andrews. Zay Flowers, I touched on him a little bit, had a great game. Nelson Aguilar on that last drive came up with some pretty big catches. Rashad Bateman had a few nice receptions as well. Uh, Just a terrific day from the receiving core. Um, And Odell Beckham Jr., I mean, we're seeing the guy put together a tremendous uh, second half of the season so far for this Ravens team. And, you know, for a Ravens receiving core that I would argue maybe since 2014 they haven't gotten much love but this year they're doing just that they have been so huge they've been a big reason why Lamar Jackson has been having an MVP like season 
And I think Lamar Jackson and Todd Munkin, T. Martin, have all been a reason as to why Lamar Jackson has put together such an incredible season. Um, Regardless of how many touchdown passes he has, uh, he's just put together a fine season where he's been able to move them up and down the field. They've been able to get into the end zone. And I think you look at if there was a, a most improved player award, you could argue Lamar Jackson could be that player when you just look at the type of play and how he's been able to get things done and how he's seen the field. Definitely, if there was a most improved player award for the Ravens, you could argue it could go to your quarterback. Now, um, I don't know if we're six years in, he should be getting a most improved player of the year award, but just a fantastic job. And I'll tell you what, Todd Monken has done a great job as the Ravens offensive coordinator. I hope he doesn't gain uh, any interest from any NFL teams because he's done such a wonderful job as the Ravens play caller this season. And talking about, you know, the defense, I mean, I, I'm, I've i harped on them. They, they did not do a, tr- a great job. Marlon Humphrey had one of his worst uh, series drives. I don't care, whatever you want to call it. I mean, the guy... Listen, he's a good cornerback. I mean, you know that. You trust him. But, dude, you, you're you a number one corner. You're paid like it. You can't slip. Like, come on, man. I mean, you know, he is an outspoken cornerback. He has a podcast. He does so many things. But he is a guy that the Ravens need to be able to rely on late in games. He's a veteran guy, like a Roquan Smith, like a Marcus Williams, like a Justin Matabike, who he is now starting to become quite a relied-upon uh, pass rusher. You know, those are the guys, the veterans, that you say, who do I need to rely on when I need to stop? And Marlon Humphrey is one of them. He has to come up with those plays. And unfortunately, or fortunately rather for the Ravens, that didn't come back to bite them. Matthew Stafford is so good at late-drive comebacks he had another one there. He almost completed it, but the Rams fell short. And just speaking on the win from you know a standings perspective, and when you look at both of the teams, the Rams, because of the Seahawks' loss later in the day, they're in second place. They're six and seven. This was a really uh, a good win when you consider how hungry that team on the opposite side of the ball is. So. I think from that perspective as well, you give a lot, a lot of credit towards, you know, the coaching staff keeping them focused uh, later on in the game. And of course, Tylen Wallace, what a return, man. I mean, that was, we've seen some great punt returns in Ravens history. We've seen some great plays from your defense and your special teams, but I cannot remember one um, this late in the season needing a bit needing a win you know you put a lot of pressure now on the Miami Dolphins to stay atop the number one spot in the AFC and to get that type of a win against a team hunger and and to have a moment like that I just can't remember it um previously in the Ravens um history to be honest I you know to keep things alive to keep things going that was huge that was big time 
And again, just a credit to um, the coaching staff and Tylen Wallace, keep getting him ready, keeping him ready. You know, I mean, he doesn't get a ton of playing time, but for him to get a big play like that was very special. Credit to him. And, you know, in the, you look at the top uh, division leaders in the AFC, you see the Chiefs kind of, you know, they've hit a rough patch. The Jaguars have hit a rough patch. Um, Miami has continued, you know, their surge, as has the Ravens. And just because of the way that the NFL national media works, you know that the Miami Dolphins and the Baltimore Ravens are going to become the talk of the town, and these guys are your Super Bowl favorites coming out of the AFC. That's just how it works. It's a very complicated and um, very... You're only as good as your last game business is the media. And for the Ravens, you know, now the pressure builds up even more. Whereas I feel like if you could go back in time and go back and look at some of the other teams um, that, you know, you've seen win or get to a Super Bowl, it wasn't like that. It was never... You know, we're only going to focus and talk about these two top teams, and that's the; those are the only teams we're going to discuss on, rather than looking at division leaders, looking at who could be interesting in the wild card. Um, it's a very confusing state that we have become, and it's almost like you know the NBA. So I just think from that point, kudos to the Ravens. They keep the pressure on the Dolphins, um, and where the Browns, who are now using Joe Flacco against you um, to try and hunt you down in the AFC North, to continue your surge is big time. Um, the Pittsburgh Steelers are faltering. Cincinnati Bengals got a big win, um, which is, you know, the AFC North is just so stacked. And I mean, you know, the Steelers, I feel like we were always waiting around to see, okay, when things don't go their way, how will they react? And right now you're seeing it. Um, and now they have, I guess, uh, over a week in Indianapolis next. So they've got some time now to prepare for them. You know, um, you're, you know that the way that the Steelers are coached, they're very well coached. They should be able to potentially get a win here and, you know, move... Um, move to eight wins on the season but depending upon of course who their quarterback is but you know for the Ravens I think you see out of this coaching staff as of right now they have done a great job of keeping them focused and you want to see that continue because now you take on the Jacksonville Jaguars a team that is desperate for a win and hopefully the Ravens are able to come out and get that done next Monday night Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of the Charm City Sports Podcast. I'll be back on um, talking Ravens football uh, next Sunday, previewing the game against the Jacksonville Jaguars on Monday Night Football. Um, I'll also be, you know, getting into some Baltimore Orioles conversations, uh, coming up, putting out some episodes on them. There's a lot of, you know, hush-hush around the Orioles right now. There isn't a ton of that you can really talk about. Um, the signing of Craig Kimbrell is the only 
move they've made. Obviously, we'll you know we'll bunch the kind of off-season news, the Brandon Hyde AL Manager of the Year award winner, Gunnar Henderson AL Rookie of the Year award winner. We'll talk all about that as well as Jackson Holiday and some winter meeting conversations as well. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Um, and those episodes will be coming out soon, just as soon as we can get some buzz or maybe I'll just, if we can't get anything, you know, by, you know, this, the end of this week, I'll just put something out because kind of itching to get to the O's. Thanks everyone for tuning in. And as always, I'll talk to you next time.